I suppose an introduction to myself, the dad here is a proper place to start. Hi, I'm Ryan, and I'm a dad. I've been a dad for 13 days now. If this sounds a little like an introduction at an AA meeting, it's because it's how I've introduced myself at them for years. I struggled with alcohol addiction for around 12 years and started when I turned 21 while working at First Avenue, a prominent nightclub venue bar in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Maybe you've heard of it as Prince's Place, a common misattribution, but an easy way to remember the big black box with people in it. Before that, I grew up in an affluent home in a small suburb of Minnetonka called Shorewood. My dad was the vice president of Wells Fargo's Health Securities. Originally, he worked for Northwest Bank, but the mergers destroyed the name. I went to the best public school district in the state and was granted the education I have from that public school. My mom came from North Minneapolis by way of Nebraska with little to no money and an absent, abusive father who would eventually leave the family and never be heard from again. To this day, I still don't know who he is. The sad part is I can say this about almost all of my family. While every family has struggles and trying times, I have mostly never had a connection to any of them. My mom and I have gone through ups and downs and are in a good place now. I don't know my extended family at all, beyond a few Facebook posts and uh, general discussions like that and further when we tried to even look into my dad's side of his family history we couldn't find anything farther back than who his dad was and as far as we could go we learned that he showed up in Iowa when he was 17 years old roughly that's all we really know of our entire family history um, we have no sense of who we are where we came from we just exist as Glens and will likely continue to do so Eventually, I would go on to college at the University of Minnesota Twin Cities campus. I entered college in a mess. My parents were going through what I think was an awful divorce. I say I think because I largely blacked out this period of my life, and I wasn't even drinking yet. I don't know much of what happened from 16 to 18. According to my younger sister, I made her and my brother dinners and took care of them while my dad was out. I don't remember doing this, but my dad was very often out on business traveling the country for Wells Fargo. If you've ever seen the movie Up in the Air, uh, he is George Clooney in that film. He's constantly checking in at Delta Executive or whatever club VIP thing and uh, carries all of his cards. He's got a litany of frequent flyer miles and all of that. Um, the things that I do remember is that I remember my dad coming home late with random and usually intoxicated women. I cannot blame him for doing this as I would likely have done the same thing, but as a 16-year-old, it's probably not the best thing to see your parents doing. The two of us lived together in a five-bedroom, three-level home and almost never saw each other. My brother and sister were with my mom in a totally different part of the state. I would see them once a month for a couple of hours, maybe. In that time, my pops and I hit a boil over point. I left a long letter of anger and feelings of living at home with my dad. I don't remember all of it. I remember I was mad. I remember I came out as bisexual. I remember absurdly saying that I was Jewish just to jab at him. I remember the voicemail I listened to while working in at the VIP room um, cash register at First Avenue telling me not to come home anymore, that my phone would be disconnected, and that I was now alone. In my anger and resentment, I immediately and stubbornly ceased all contact. I have never apologized for what happened, as I did wrong things too and accused him of things that he did not do. At the same time, he never acknowledged it either, so we now sit in this weird spot where we talk about once a month, largely about just random topics like what Apple company is up to or just random things. 
with some slight sprinkling of what is going on in their actual lives, but not much of like feeling to it. Throughout my couch surfing, dorm living, and apartment destroying times in Minneapolis, I accomplished almost nothing beyond destroying my own liver and ruining everything around me. I lost all my friends once I started to favor alcohol over humans. By the time I was 21, every day of my life was the same. Wake up eventually, go down to First Avenue, even if I wasn't working, hang out, watch some sound checks, assist with load-ins if I was able to, and in a way, finding my family and friends and people that supported me. The people there became my family, for better or worse. I learned how to drink with them, pounding shots of Jaeger and kamikazes all night, nearly every night. Um, I didn't drink to get drunk. I drank to pass out an excessive amount. Like I had issues sleeping from childhood. I had massive insomnia issues and alcohol cured that. I could fall asleep easily, very easily. So I drank to pass out every time, always. I wanted to be a part of these people's life because I felt tossed aside, uh, likely as many of these folks did. A lot of us felt like outcasts. We ended up in a bar and we ended up working in a large nightclub that paid minimum wage and we cleaned up people's puke for them like we served them at their parties but we did it because we loved it we loved the music and we loved the scene i would eventually come become very close with two different staff members uh, miles and betsy and look to them as my chosen family i in no way denounced my own family but i felt like i'd found adults who finally understood who i was they understood my weird art they understood the poverty and need they understood me to me they were the coolest people in the world Miles had worked closely with Nirvana and Rhyme Sayers well before any controversy that's currently going on was known. And Betsy was the entry bartender mom we all loved. They made the kind of house I wanted to have. Happy, full of life and art, and above all, love constantly. It would be nearly a decade and two treatments later before I would tell them how I felt, and shockingly they accepted me with open arms. I still love them, and my own family has grown in its own strengths. I love my mom, Michelle, even named her even named Ezra, uh, his middle name, Michael, uh, to incorporate her name into our future generations. Um, I love my dad, too. As weird and as opposite as we are, uh, as much hurt and frustration he has caused, I still love him. He will help me in the cases that I need, which I'll describe here in a bit. Um, while I was finding myself and gaining understanding of me, I was also very busy destroying all of that at home every night, downing bottles of vodka and Jaeger every night to a point of blacking out and passing out. I did this for nearly nine years before seeking my first treatment at Hazelden. My dad paid for it and helped me out immensely. He's good for that, saving me when I need it. I moved to Duluth after treatment because I could not go back to Minneapolis. All I knew there was alcohol. I destroyed everything around me, lost every friend and nearly myself. For the first year in Duluth, everything was amazing. I rode the fresh sober high to some huge extremes. I worked nearly 16 hours a day. I was making an absurd amount of money, cooking breakfast at a local joint and running a country club, supper club at night. I was having no fun anywhere though. Over time, I started smoking cigarettes again as a way to cope and that further then progressed um, into eventually taking a drink at Vikra Bar with my partner. Um, we learned very quickly that this was a mistake. It was an attempt to try to cut loose and have fun again, not realizing that maybe all I needed to do was quit one of the two jobs that I had. 
So I was wrong in this assumption that this would be a thing that would work, that I could moderately drink again. I relapsed incredibly hard and set out on a mission to end myself completely. Uh, for nearly six months straight, I drank constantly, like not just at night, not away from work, constant. Just from the moment I woke up to the moment I passed out again. And then I would wake up again from pass out. I would always start within maybe 30 seconds of waking up drinking and be intoxicated. My average blood alcohol content was around 0.42 to 0.50. To put that in perspective, that means that 42 to 50% of my blood was pure alcohol. I was never not drunk, and I was always also withdrawing, meaning that I had shakes, DTs, if you want, um, constant anxiety, constant fear of death, because alcohol withdrawal is the only withdrawal that can kill you. Um, I would seize in ways, like not have full grand mal seizures, but my body would lose control of itself. Um, I was delusional. At one point, I legitimately thought that I could fly, and maybe this was signs of planning suicide attempts. I thought I could fly off of the Bong Bridge. That's the actual name of the bridge up here. I'm not making a joke. It's the Bong Bridge. And I would dream about this uh, fairly regularly, very lucidly. It's one of the weird things about alcohol withdrawal is how lucidly you dream. You lose sense of what is real and what isn't. Um, you lose all your emotions. You lose everything. Like you, you don't know what time it is, what day it is. You don't know where you are. You don't know what reality is anymore. It's terrifying. Anyway, um, to mix with that too, like if I couldn't find alcohol or it was a Sunday, um, the extremes that I would go to would be to go to the nearest grocery store and just buy or steal vanilla extract and bitters and drink that straight in an attempt to intoxicate myself. This is probably why that um, I ended up the last four days of my drinking alone in my bathroom with the door shut and lights off, um, cycling between drinking alcohol, vomiting up blood, and trying to keep down water. Um, I was slowly ingesting more vodka in an attempt to work through withdrawals by like tapering down what I was drinking. It wasn't working. Um, so about 11 o'clock or so on the fourth day of this, I decided I was out of money. I was out of any hope of getting more alcohol. I was withdrawing incredibly hard and I called 911 and got myself on an ambulance with the local fire department and ended up at Essentia Hospital for a week of withdrawal detox. After that, I ended up at Teen Challenge for 50 of the 90 days of the short-term program. I didn't leave early. I was there voluntarily. I was one of the only people that was there voluntarily. Uh, I completed the program with such high success and did so well that they let me go early once I had found housing. Because the problem was that during this treatment time, I had become homeless. My parents rightfully chose not to continue to pay my rent and I had become evicted. I'd put all my energy into figuring out where I would be sleeping at night once treatment was finished. I found Dorothy Dayhouse, part of the Lois and Fishes community in Duluth. I moved in in August of 2018 and lived in a room smaller than a dorm-sized room in a bunk bed 
sleeping in a bunk bed with a random man who could change any night. I probably stayed with three, maybe four different men throughout the six to eight months that I was there. Um, but at any point, they could change out. At any point, they could leave. There would be new people all the time outside of my room. So it was a constant flow of different and new people. It was here that I learned about community and love. It was here I learned who I am. I learned that I am very feminine in many ways. And while not trans, I have a hard struggle with my own gender identity and use the pronouns they for this reason. I do not feel manly. I, I like my body. I'm fine with the way I appear. Um, I try to look soft, I guess, in my attire and body form. Um, but I, I want, I guess, to have like a more feminine looking body and present as that. I want to come off as soft and not aggressive. I know I do from time to time, but it's never my intention to do that. I try to rein that in as much as possible. In addition to that, I learned how to always love everyone unconditionally. Um, I learned how little there is to fear in the world as we left the doors unlocked every day throughout the day with the exception of Sunday. And every street living homeless person would stop in and use the place. We offered showers, we offered food, we offered laundry, we offered bike maintenance and new free bikes. Um, we were a hotspot for a lot of the street living community and we were raved about by them as one of the most amazing places to go to. We would hear this constantly because we didn't have much for expectations and rules. The only rule you really had to follow was that you could not be in the house intoxicated. This would become an issue periodically, but never ongoing for a long time. Uh, if we found it, we'd just remove them peacefully. They always did, with some minor exceptions. Um, some verbal altercations would happen, but that was about the worst it would get. For the most part, though, everyone was fine. The worst things that happened in the house was some stolen silverware and stolen food, and I can't really blame homeless people for stealing food especially since the whole rule was all you have to do is ask, and sometimes you're just too ashamed and afraid to ask. So they were stealing what was free anyway. Uh, so whatever. Um, so it was through finding this purpose that I decided that I needed to have, or through finding Dorothy Day, I decided that I needed to find a purpose for myself and try and make as much change as I can. Because after seeing the amounts of homeless we have in Duluth and amounts of homeless that are our nationwide everywhere but then being face to face with it and living through it um, even sheltered I realized that no one should go through what I did and no one else should have to fall victim to the broken society that we have made I became increasingly active with homeless persons bill of rights to the point of working with the county and city officials to establish the first warming centers in Duluth I proposed the first location of city center west during an HPBR meeting and it took off from there I would end up running the social media voluntarily for both City Center West and now Gloria Day and the other one that hardly ever gets used over in CAD, CAD um, Community Action Duluth area. Um, so I'd run the social media voluntarily. I set up food, late night food shelves by partnering with the co-op and Gloria Day and periodically would work 12 hour overnight shifts for this. This gained me some notoriety, but little pay. I was only paid for the overnight shifts that I would do. Um, I used this to gain a seat at the table for drafting use of force policy with Duluth Police Department on the purchase of riot gear. It was during these meetings my dad suggested that I run for office, and I did. I ran for city council in Duluth, and I dropped out relatively early. 
uh, I still managed to gain 80 votes, though, in the primary election based mostly off just Facebook writings of things that I would say along the lines of this. It was after the campaign that Sam and I started discussing having a baby. At first, it seemed impossible. While um, we, like many other millennials and younger, have little to no money, live in a shithole apartment while paying premium prices, our rent is $900 a month for a house worth less than $100,000. However, um, the w however, the want to have a baby stayed. And by December 2019, she was pregnant, and we started getting ready for our baby. During the pregnancy, we ran into the largest unexpected bump of all time, COVID-19. Suddenly, we, there would be no baby shower, no family visits, no going outside. Sam and I were both high risk, her being pregnant, and me being previously homeless, and continuing to do homeless work. There is actually a part of the Minnesota COVID-19 pre-screen test, where you determine if you are high risk, two of them are pregnant and if ever previously homeless or working in homeless shelters or having homeless contact now. So we both became high risk very quickly. Um, I would eventually quit my job as a cashier at a local grocery co-op and stay at home. This was the best decision I ever made. I got to spend time building my family and home. I've never felt more at peace. Time went on and Sam's bump continued to grow. During this time, I was elected to the SD7 DFL Executive Committee and took charge of social media for the group. We worked with two different campaigns up until the primary in early August. Both of our candidates won, and I thought this would be a perfect time for a break before the baby came. Ezra, however, had other plans, though, and showed up 10 days later, <laughs> three weeks early. He showed up at home where he wasn't expected to be. In the most chaotic 10 minutes of my life, Sam entered labor at home. I called 911. Ezra was out before the EMTs arrived. Sam and I, Sam delivered, and I caught our baby alone in our bathroom. For a moment, I thought he was early, miscarried, and dead. He breathed and coughed, and for the first time in my life, I understood what love really was. What it meant to do anything for someone without question. I feared something dying for the first time, but here he is, happy and safe. I'm sharing all of this and starting this because I have a problem. I do not know who I am in a grand sense, and I want to find out. The longest relationship I have had is probably four years. Friendship, like partnership, anything. I, I burn through them too quick. I drop off, and I, I don't know. I don't have a good reason for it. It's maybe attributed to all the drinking I did, the lying I did, and everything else. It's probably largely due to that. Because of this, no one really knows who I am. I isolated alone for 12 years. I didn't hang out with friends. The only place I saw them was at workplaces. And that's not really friend time. Um, what I've learned through this is I'm far from alone. Many of us have similar struggles. Many of us have depression. Many of us have anxiety. This isn't meant to be a motivational bit. Rather, a realization of we can do this. We can overcome our struggles and not to tote myself the way that I have. We've been told over and over that our generation is lazy, stupid, and frankly kind of worthless. We're not. We're strong enough to do it. We're strong enough to do this, all of it, by ourselves, and we do it on a regular basis. Look how popular DIY circuits have become in culture. We, we've taken it upon ourselves to start all of these things, and 
ignore what has been said about us and ignore what people say about us and to build up ourselves. That got really repetitive. Um, I want to share the story of Ezra and our quarantine experience because I'm lonely and I'm desperate. We're running out of money. We're running out of time. And our country is somewhat quickly collapsing. I just want to put out something good and further myself and all the ads. I've been reading um, the Rad Dad zine that my friend Dan and his family sent to me. And I went to search for um, a modern take on this, and I have yet to find one. So in a way, I took it upon myself to start this. I want to attempt to make a community hub of dads. We're not terrible. There are a lot of us that want to be more active fathers but don't know how or don't know where to start and I've been getting a fair amount of messages of like we don't usually see dads act like this when I could go to ultrasounds before COVID hit I would constantly hear about how uh, dads largely would not show up to these they would not come that it was so strange that I was there and cared so much and to me it just seems absurd like all of the wiener wearing friends that I have um tend to be caring, tend to want to be involved in their kids' lives. So to hear this from, I guess, a more public stance of outside of my social bubble was shocking. Um, so I think it's time to just kind of talk about how we do want to be dads, be more involved. It's not a weird thing to take my stepson, Asher, over to the playground by myself. But every time I do, I'm that weird, lonely dad there watching kids. And it's even compounded by the fact that Asher looks nothing like me because he's my stepkid. So I'm just the extra weird dad there. What I've learned on all this is that, like I said before, I've learned what love truly is. Um, and Ezra has taught me that in many ways. And I love him wholly. He's the most beautiful thing to ever come across this earth. And I hope that you feel the same way about your child too. And I would love to fight over who's got the... Uh, cutest kid anytime because I'm sure we both have or we all have good reason to fight for why ours is the most cute and I cannot think of a more wholesome way to argue than over whose kid is cuter uh, I want to thanks thank you for listening to my nonsense here it's been 23 minutes of me talking about myself in a way that I never have before and I'm usually not this open to this extreme and it's kind of uncomfortable um, but I feel like I need to get it out and I need to talk to people about this because like I said, I've been stuck in quarantine for months now and it's through having this baby and through everything of learning my family and my home family here, Sam, Asher, Ezra, has taught me so much that I feel a need to share this good with everyone else and encourage them to try and I guess be positive so again, uh, thanks for listening, and I just want to end the same way as always, hopefully, and just let you know that as much as I love my family, I love you too. Um, I think that we don't say that enough. I think we're so quick to say how much we hate something, and we're so afraid and reserve the word love for special occasions. It's too soon to say, it's too soon to do, it means too much. And there's a difference between being in love with someone. I'm in love with Sam. And she means the world to me. But I love almost everyone. I like everyone. I don't think I hate anyone. But I definitely love mostly everyone. 
And I think we could do a lot by fixing this culture of hate to just saying I love you to your friends. And I think that's just awesome. Anyway, I'm going to sign off for now. It's uh, about 25 minutes of me. I'm sure there are some great background noises of a baby cooing and maybe some dishes getting done because this is just a pirate setup in my home off a headset. Uh, maybe in time we can get some better equipment stuff, but just like I am with my dad and phone conversations and terrible at saying goodbye, I'm doing the same thing here. So I am just going to kill it here. Goodbye. Thank you for listening. I love you.